Thank you for joining us for another episode of Our Heart for Teaching. Today, I am joined by guest Adam DeVico. Adam DeVico is an accomplished teacher, curriculum facilitator, principal, professor, speaker, and author. For the past two decades, he has taught students of all ages through his engaging and rigorous teaching style. He has also provided professional development for educators from around the world through his keynotes, workshops, and books. You can often find Adam standing on a table or a chair dressed in one of his signature outrageous and amusing suits. He has been recognized by organizations such as the Japan Fulbright Memorial Fund, Learning for Justice, and the Atlanta Falcons for his leadership and teaching, and he continues to work for greater equity in schools through his anti-racist and culturally responsive pedagogy. Today's episode is all about Adam sharing his heart for education and how he uses his passion and creativity to help motivate and inspire others. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's episode of Our Heart for Teaching with Mr. Adam DeVico. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another episode of Our Heart for Teaching. This morning, I am joined by Adam DeVico. Good morning, Adam. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much. Why don't you start by introducing yourself to us? Tell us a little bit about who you are, kind of what you do in education and like where you've been, where you are now kind of thing. For sure. So I'm, I'm a Yankee by trade. I, I was born and raised in New Jersey, but I have spent my entire professional career, my whole adult life down in the South, um, taught in North Carolina, taught in uh, Atlanta, Georgia at a really cool place called the Ron Clark Academy. I love uh, it. Back to North Carolina after that, I got to be a visiting professor at my alma mater, Wake Forest University in the Department of Education. Then I moved to administration as a principal. And so a little bit of everything in education. I've also been super blessed to have traveled the entire country um, for education, getting to do professional development, keynotes, conferences, and the likes. So I've gotten to meet just thousands and thousands of educators and seeing what they do around the country. So that's the short of it. Um, I just turned 40 last week. So I'm feeling like, all right, I've got uh, some things are starting to ache now. No, I'm kidding. It's, uh, it's all good, but uh, that, that's the career. See, that's encouraging on the turning 40 thing because mine will be turning 40 in August. So okay. it's go. good to hear that you don't just break because I have been oh, concerned yeah. about that. <laughs> yes, it's, I'm only one weekend. I'm only one weekend. So uh, back well, with me. Congratulations on turning 40 as well. <laughs> like you. That's Thank awesome. You. So, all right. Well, talk to us a little bit about, I always like to talk to educators about, all right, so obviously we entered this amazing profession and we've all chosen it for a different reason, but it's always fun to go back and ask, so what was it like for you in school? Did you enjoy your experience being a student? Were your teachers awesome and amazing and just like inspire you or were you like, oh, heck no, I'm not going this direction? Like, what was that like for you? And I, I think I had what you would consider a pretty typical schooling experience. Uh, I Good teachers. Uh, I enjoyed school for the most part. I did pretty well in school for the most part. And so, you know, I, I didn't have, you know, some of the challenges or, you know, hurdles that I know a lot of my students have. And so I'm always thinking like, man, I was privileged. I was lucky. I was privileged for any number of reasons. And so it was a good experience. And I, you know, I always say, I wrote this in my first book that my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Bruns, he was kind of the reason I wanted to become a teacher. And you know, from then on, it was just like this kind of straight race to 
getting to be a teacher and educator. Now, I wouldn't, I would, never would have imagined that my career has taken me kind of in all these different pathways that it has. So I was just kind of pictured like, hey, I'm gonna be in the classroom in 30 years. Uh, but hey, doors open sometimes and you just step in. But yeah. Can you tell us? Can you tell us a little bit about that story of your fifth grade teacher? I know you said it's in your book, but not all of us have probably gotten to read your book because there are you and many, many other wonderful yeah. authors. So can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Sure. So Mr. Bruns was uh, he like just a giant of a man. And obviously, as a fifth grader, I was even smaller. So he just seemed like, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like six, four or so. Um, so just this big dude. And just the nicest person. He actually lived, his house was not that far from mine. So he lived in the neighborhood as well. And so he, he was just the kind of guy that would uh, like, he would drive me home or if I, you know, if I needed a ride, cause I would walk home every day because I lived pretty close. But if it was raining or something, he would drive me home. He came to all of our basketball games. He would take you know me and my brother, um, just like out for ice cream and just a, a nice human being and just a great role model and person. And it inspired me for a lot of the ways that I wanted to be seen as a teacher and just, you know, someone that could, could be seen as a human being. And I think that was the biggest part is that, yes, he was my teacher and, um, you know, he was kind of that larger than life presence, but, you know, I also knew him as just a person as well. That was neat. Yeah, that really is. Cause most kids never get the experience to see their teachers as just a person. Like we're all the weird people to them that somehow just exist within school exactly um, you know you always got that that picture of your head of the teacher like sleeping in the classroom they live at school and so uh to know you know where he lived like you know that was always a big deal yeah exactly and now it's weird being on the flip side of things mm -hmm. i was thinking and you know like all the conversations i have with my colleagues and you know how we talk about how things are going in the classes and stuff i'm like now thinking back to when I was a kid and like, it's still really weird for me to think, wait, my teachers did this kind of stuff too. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, cause we have normal conversations and it's, it's so weird. So yeah, even at almost 40, I'm still have them pictured as no, you're a teacher <laughs> and I can't picture my own teachers being normal. Like I am. So <laughs> kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. wow. I hadn't thought about that one in a while. Awesome. Yeah. So as you started deciding, you know, you kind of want to have this model and, and be really human for your kiddos and be there for them and support them, like in these awesome ways, like going to games and stuff. Um, did that become your why? And you also kind of like talked about how you got really cool experiences, like even getting to work at Ron Clark, which I know may have like totally reshifted whatever your why was anyway because that's an awesome experience but what was your why when you went into teaching like what did you really want to accomplish and can you talk to us about that yeah it, I've always been about just kind of helping others in some way um, and for me it was just that pathway through education teaching and uh, another story I'd say just from like the early days was when I was in uh, kindergarten and you know obviously I'm uh all the wise are at age six now. And so my younger brother, who was, he's about two years younger than me, I would come home from school each day and I would make essentially like a quiz or a test, <laughs> basically whatever I was learning in school. And so I would, I would make my brother, I would make it and then I would make my brother take it. And then I would grade it in those, remember those Mr. Sketch markers, the ones like, yes. the top of the map, and you those smell are still them. awesome. 
Oh, they are. Yes. And so, <laughs> you know, the eighties, they were, they were like all the, all the rage. And so I had a cherry red Mr. Sketch marker and I would uh, grade it, uh, you know, in that marker, just like my teacher would. And yeah, you know, just that, that was kind of, that's one of my first defining memories of like, all right, like I can do this kind of stuff. And then it just continued about um, every, every job. I've never had a job that did not involve like kids. Uh, even from like, as when I was a teenager, I was a, a camp counselor. I was a referee. I was a coach. I babysat. Like my skill set is very limited, to be honest. <laughs> like, <laughs> Does it involve kids? Okay, it involve, we're good. It has to involve kids or like you know, something in education because outside of that, I ain't got nothing. So uh, it was, uh, I guess, destined at an early age to do something like that. I love that. And I, I like that you talk about the skill set because everybody's always posting, you know, especially now they're like, yes, but you have all these skills. And it's like, oh, but you don't understand. <laughs> like, this is what I do. I mean, they're transferable, I suppose, but I, yeah. you know, I've got a pigeonhole in a, in a certain box. Like, I love that. Kid. And I love your story of when you were a kid and would take what you learned and like make them into quizzes and have your, your family do them because I, was and like, I took what I did and my dolls had to do that, you know, so yeah. I had pretend play down perfect, but that was always yeah. fun too. So yes, yes, yes. I love that. That's awesome. So cool. Well, what was it like then as you have this helping others kind of mindset and you get into teaching and like, let's even go year one. Year mm -hmm. one's always fun. Were you able to start kind of living that in year one or did it, how, how did that look as you started and, and did you feel like, oh, wow, uh, this is what I expected or did you have some challenges? Man, I was spoiled rotten my, my first year of teaching. So I, I student taught, um, I, I ended up getting a job at the school and in the classroom next to where I student taught. Nice. And so from a comfort level, I knew the building, I knew my team, I knew the, like everything was just so perfectly aligned in that situation. So, I mean, other than your typical first year challenges of just not having any clue what to do, but thinking I knew what I was doing, of course. Right. Um, no, it was so smooth. And funny enough, and I don't, I don't tell this story very much, but I was actually a signature away from moving to Australia because I had gone there. I had lived there a semester abroad, um, you know, a couple of years prior to that. And I really wanted to go back because I love Australia to this day. I still love Australia. And I don't know, I, I was like, hey, let me go over there and teach for a little bit and everything. But uh, that fifth grade spot at the student, at the, where I student taught was open. And I was like, ah, let's do it and stuck around and uh, taught there, which was wonderful and had several great years there. The people there that I taught with are still some of my good friends today. And you know what helped a lot at that school? And it's something that has always stuck with me in a, in a you know, kind of the back of my mind was I was on my grade level. There were six of us, three guys. I was one of three guys there. And in the building, like across the building, there were actually nine of us. Like, when's the last time you saw nine male elementary teachers in a building? Like, it doesn't Right, happen. that's impressive. Yeah, and so when, you know, as I was teaching, I ended up teaching at Wake Forest and, um, you know, as I do speeches and stuff, and I try to make, you know, try to make a motion for guys to enter elementary education. There's not a lot of us. And so it's something that, you know, doesn't impact a lot of people's minds, but, you know, as a guy in elementary school, there's not a lot of us and uh, try to promote that when I can. I think that's awesome. Come on, student teachers who are listening, consider going to elementary if you're a male teacher, because I agree wholeheartedly there are not enough of you 
in those elementary classrooms. So, well, and you know, it's it's such a you know we can get a an entire conversation going on the why of that. You know, it's historical, um, you know, views of what elementary teaching is and what it's not, and you know, you could talk about all those different things. But it's actually interestingly enough, it stuck with me enough where so I'm in a doctoral program right now. And my dissertation topic is uh, the motivations of black males to become elementary teachers. And so, you know, as there are few males in elementary, there's even fewer black males. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that's really become of interest to me, uh, to, you know, particularly as we talk about modeling and role modeling and uh, just influencing uh, young black boys. So it's, it's a really interesting topic. I've, I've really loved the research on it. I think that's awesome. And I know that y'all have such a huge job in elementary schools that you know because you set the stage for their learning for everything else and I know as a junior high teacher and in talking to high school teachers like we have to really work to change some of their mindsets like so by the time they come to us they have this idea of what they are what they aren't and Y'all have such a powerful role because if we can get that positive mindset in those first few years of school, like it's it's just huge. Um, so yeah, you're really, laying exactly. I and I really admire y'all. And elementary has a special place in my heart, even though I never I majored that. I majored yeah. that. I student taught that, but never ended up uh -huh. in the classroom as an elementary. But y'all still have a special place in my heart. So. Uh -huh. <laughs> So then you stayed with your elementary school for a while and then later ended up in Ron Clark Academy teaching. Did that shift things for you? Did you find that you had a, a different way of impacting with the helping the kids out? Like, what was that like? Absolutely. I mean, that completely changed my perspective on uh, what, what was possible in education. And then also it expanded my mind of what I could do in education. I think for me growing up thinking, and I, um, as I mentioned before, I was, I was going to be a teacher, like in the classroom and have that impact on my class each year and working at the Ron Clark Academy. I saw, wow, like I could do that and have this impact in different areas of it as well, like professional development, presenting, all that stuff. So, uh, man, yeah, the, as soon as I started working there, I just started, my eyes started opening to all these different realms of possibility and so it was a life-changing career-changing opportunity and uh, getting to you know teach alongside all these phenomenal educators made me 10,000 times better because you don't like working there you're only as good as your next lesson like it, it's this friendly competition in a way amongst the teachers of making sure that you're always on in those lessons because you know like as a junior high teacher you know like the kids are going from class to class right and so as they come to me well if they just had an amazing lesson in mr clark's room and now they come to me i don't want to be the one that they're like oh man i gotta go to mr vico's class so i want to like raise the raise the bar each time in my class so it's this like quiet unwritten rule of like bring in your a game every single day and um it's challenging but it makes you better like I, uh, my room, my room was right below Mr. Clark's. And so I could, oh, wow. hear, I could literally hear them as they're jumping and dancing, moving around the classroom. And they would always come. Uh, we both taught fifth graders there. So they would go right usually from his room downstairs to my room. So like I knew it, like I had to pump myself up each day, like making sure like, all right, it's gonna be the best day. 
And that was like a brand new type of experience. Like, did you do those kinds of things prior to going to Ron Clark or was it all brand new? No. So that's the, that's the, um, the cool part about working at Ron Clark Academy. And I I tell this all the time is because a lot of people ask questions like, is there a induction training kind of thing? And the answer is no, like he hires people who are going to fit into that model. And then what by model, you know, I'm sure you've seen and many people have seen his style of teaching, you know, he's up on desks and does a lot of the dancing and movement and stuff. And that's not the only way that is being taught there. Like there's all sorts of styles and which is good because you don't want to have the same style in every single class. Right. So the phrase I always like to use is styles vary, quality doesn't. So there's a lot of really great quality a different uh, in each room. It's just different styles. But my style, definitely, I've, I've kept true to it throughout my career. And, you know, before I just had to close my door and, you know, it was fine. I had my group of 30 kids there. Um, but now working at Ron Clark Academy, I have, yes, I have my 30 kids, but now I have, you know, 8,000 educators each year coming through my classroom watching it. So you know, a little, little different experience that way. Nice. That's really cool. Did you ever feel intimidated having a bunch of educators come in and watch? Because I know sometimes that's weird when you're like, I mean, obviously you're doing your thing for your kids, but the it, the stigma, I guess, of others watching you do what you do. Was that weird for you? I, I personally loved it. I got a high off of it. I <laughs> absolutely loved it. It got to the point sometimes, honestly, it got to the point sometimes where like I would be teaching and I was like, it was almost too quiet in the room. Like I, you're, you just get very used to having people in there in addition to the kids. And so um, I loved it personally. And it was, it was always a high, always great times. That's awesome and exciting. Can you talk to us then too, because you didn't stay there, you continued your own professional growth and you made the decision of becoming an administrator. Mm-hmm. So what shifted that mindset and like, you have the helping others was it because you wanted a greater sphere of influence like why did you move out of the classroom into admin i always knew, <clears throat> excuse me i always knew that i wanted to be a school leader in some capacity and like not right away but just knowing i i like i like leadership i i know some people you know everyone has their own views on you know what their comfort level is i love leadership and so in the back of my mind, I, was, I knew I kind of wanted to get there eventually. And so having the opportunity to work at the Ron Clark Academy gave me this perspective of like, all right, so I see what can be done in this school. How do I transfer? Because that's what I did every week talking to educators <clears throat> as they came to Ron Clark Academy was, all right, how do you take this and bring it back to your school? Because that's really what it's about. Now, it doesn't mean replicating because i telling you right now, I've seen it tried before. You don't replicate what's at the Ron Clark Academy. It's impossible. The, the factors that play into that do not make it a photo. You can't make a carbon copy of it. Right. What you do is you take what you take the elements of it and you make it work in your building or your district or your state. And I want to show that it could be done in a regular public school in, you know, regular city USA. And that's what I got to do um, to, to show myself, I want to prove myself as well, show others and have that impact on, you know, my 600 students in that kind of setting that we can have fun. We can build a culture where people want to be, kids want to be, families want to be, teachers want to be, um, but we can also get down and dirty and work hard too. And so it's that balance of, of the rigor, of the engagement, of the culture. 
and bringing it all together. And for me, I want to do it in a, um, in a public school setting. I love that. And I obviously mm -hmm. love public schools as well because yeah. they're fun and, you know, um, that selective you get who you get. And like, it's just, I love that building culture where you never know what's walking into your classroom. Right. Um, love but that. the thing is, you know, at the, at the end of the day, whether it's public, public charter, private school, Christian school, whatever it is, every kid needs a good teacher. Every kid yes. deserves a good teacher and a good school. And by good, I, I don't mean just like, you know, the, the test scores. I mean, a place where they can feel safe and exactly and, and welcome. I promise you all, my, my school was not like an A school. <laughs> I, we, we, we struggled with the test scores and stuff, but I, I would rival our, our culture and our engagement with any of those A schools. And um, yeah, I, I think any, any school deserves to have those elements. And when you do though, and when you, you know, have, you know, especially if you start out with the not perfect school where you do have to build that, like, it's so rewarding when you hit that. Like, I feel like I get to experience that every day just with the junior high culture because they don't start out liking you. Uh, you have to really earn it. And it's like, oh, yeah. you start out with them, like thinking you're the devil and the enemy and how dare, how dare you invade my time where I'm just here for my friends, you know, uh -huh. to okay, cool. Like, what are we going to learn today? Like, it's awesome. Um, and I love that. So I love the culture building. I think it's amazing yeah. and important and fun, like super fun, especially when you get the reward of, you know, cool, we didn't start here, but look where we've grown. Exactly. So um, when you jumped on board as an admin that first year, and um, is your purpose and why still um, kind of helping others, building that culture. Were all of your teachers on board with you? To some degree. Um, so you it's the theory of adoption, right? So you have people who are automatic buy-in, like you just you say, and they're like, I'm in. You have people who are kind of the, the late comers. They, you know, they like to see what's happening first uh -huh. and then they can slowly come on. And then, yeah, you, you have a couple who are just never going to buy in. And my message, I, I wrote what is now kind of a, a well-known letter by my by staff that, that I've, I've shown it to in admin. It's basically, it was a letter I wrote to the staff after year one, kind of outlining all the things that we were doing and outlining things we will be doing in the future, like moving forward. And I said to them, you know, if this is not the ship that you want to be on, I'm going to help you get to where you want to be. I don't want anyone working there because they have to. Um, right. and, and there's so many schools looking for great teachers and, you know, you're probably a great teacher. It just, this might not be the right place for you. And that's okay. And I, I always promise people, I will help you get to where you want to be. Um, but if you're going to stay here, um, then that next year, cause they didn't, they didn't have a choice that year one, they right. got they got me and they got what they got. But year two, you now have a choice and, and you can go where you want. I want you to be happy. And I want you, uh, if you're going to stay here, to make sure that you're all in. So. Wow. I uh, love that, that bold philosophy. Awesome. I've seen it a little bit with some of our, my own experience with administrators. And I actually mm -hmm. like it. I really respect when a principal will say, look, you need to be in a classroom that fits you. You need to be on board with the vision. Like, and sometimes I've also seen where they don't really care where they put you. Oh, well, you're certified in this. So I don't care that you don't want to teach it. You're teaching yeah. X, Y, Z. So I really do appreciate 
um, having different administrations say, look, this might not be for you, but let me help you find what is. Because it's not an attack against you. It's it's mm. really just a, are we going to be the right team to work with each other? And it makes a huge difference. So. Yeah, yeah there was a school early on when I was uh, when I was still in the classroom. There was a school I was at and it just wasn't a good fit for me. It, the, I mean, it wasn't anyone's fault. It just wasn't a good fit. And so I moved on and and my principal was happy to help me move on. And um, yeah, it was just what was better for everyone. Because here I get the, no one wins. If, if you're not happy at the place you're working, you're not happy. And by you not being happy, you're not making, you're probably not being your best teacher self. You're probably making it tougher for administration. And so, you know, you, you want to be in a place that's going to be beneficial for everyone. And I think that's a hard conversation. So I hope listeners really, really hear that as well, because sometimes it's scary to think, but I've been here or, you know, but this is what I know. And it's really, really scary. But again, having that really good fit, whether it's even, you know, just shifting from, okay, you were doing this, but let's try you here because I think it'll be better for you. Like having that mentality that you're willing to take that risk because it is better for you and it is better for the kids and the school if all of you are happy absolutely i i love that awesome okay well adam let's shift just a little bit we've talked a lot about your why and some of the really cool things that you've done and how you've been able to live your why which i absolutely love the the helping others thing and and being real and being there for them and supporting them and and now getting to not only support your students, but your teachers as well. Like that's incredible and honorable. So thank you for doing that. Um, we know though, not everything is sunshine and beautiful rainbows. Like there are challenges and, and it's tough and pandemic. Like I always, I hate referring to it because it feels like everybody just blames the pandemic, but the pandemic has really just rocked our world teaching wise. And there are days where it's like, why did I even step into this? So on those really challenging days where maybe nothing's going right, and even you're rethinking, man, I could be doing X, Y, Z, anything else. What do you do to kind of recenter yourself back on, but I know I'm where I'm supposed to be, and I know I'm making this impact. How do you personally do that for yourself on those really challenging days? My big, yeah, I've had, to, I've had to think about this a lot recently. And my big thing that I, that I've kind of come to, and, and I think to some degree, I was doing this even before pandemic. Uh, but my, my way of my brain has always been to like, look forward to things. I always, I'm deliberate with having either an event or a, a plan, something that I can always look forward to. So even if it's a kind of a bad day, because we all have them, um, I'm always like, all right, we're almost to that, whatever it is, whether it's a week away, a month away, like I love looking forward to things. And for me, just for me, that's how I push through those tougher days. Like we're going we're gonna to get through that one. And eventually we got something really cool coming. And I try to put that to the kids too. So for example, at the school I'm at now, every Friday um, we have, so something I took from the Rock Academy is, is the houses, right? And so like Harry Potter, so we have right. our houses, we have our houses at the school. Um, and so I'm in charge of it. And so I'm always looking for like things I could put into place, you know, a week away, two weeks away, three weeks away that I can look forward to. Um, like we just had our end of second quarter celebration this past week. That was so much fun. 
Um, every Friday we have a wheel spin. Like that's the highlight of the school. Like the kids go nuts over this, having the wheel spin. And I look forward to it as well. So like I, I get this weekly event, you know, it's for five minutes, but this weekly thing that I get to really look forward to. And um, it helps me. It helps me move forward each day. That is so fun too, when the kids are excited and like, especially elementary, like I'm totally picturing that and like, I'm smiling over here, even though I've never experienced your event. And I'm like, oh, yeah. that's so fun. So cool. Oh, it's a blast. And then I also want to shift it too, because that's for you personally and, and works for you. But we already know like no one of us is like exactly the same. And like what works right. for you doesn't work for somebody else. And you've talked about that already today. Um, so for other teachers, for other administrators who are also just at the end of their ropes right now and having that struggle, what advice would you give them to maybe help them refocus, recenter, and kind of get through those challenging times? The biggest thing I've seen from a lot of um, educators is that support system, having someone that you can lean on, uh, whether it's a coworker or a family member or a friend outside of school, just having someone that you can rely on to lean on in those tough times and making sure that um, you're transparent with them and understanding that like, you know, sometimes you just need to vent. Sometimes you just need to get out, erase what's going on that day, do something else. And uh, yeah, and that, that I think helps a lot of people is just removing yourself from the situation sometimes. And, um, I think the pandemic has taught us, if, if not for anything else, to be forgiving of ourselves sometimes. You know, we're not always gonna have the best lesson, we're not always gonna have the best days, and that's okay. There's gonna be another one, let's move on. Uh, so I'm hoping that even after this kind of blows away, the pandemic, uh, we're still as forgiving on each other because Lord knows society is not as forgiving right now on teachers. Right. And so hopefully, hopefully we can at least be forgiving of ourselves. Because we are living it and understand and yeah, yeah, exactly. And definitely having, I think it's a powerful lesson to even take to our kids. Like if we can show them, you know, I'm not having the best day and I'm so sorry, this is not the best, but it's okay. Cause yeah. there's, you know, there's a tomorrow, there's a reset, you know, we're going to go through this. Like, cause the kids go through it too. So Absolutely. I like, I like that. And I have found, you know, when I do the same thing and I show that forgiveness, even for my kids, or I model it when I'm having those bad days, like that's a good strategy to show them as well. Um, so cool. And Adam, I like to give you all a chance to shout out people who've really made a difference for you and kind of influenced where you are. So who would you like to shout out today? Oh, goodness. There's so, 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 so many people who have had just such a impact on my career, my life, uh, career and life together. Um, I will give, uh, if I get one here, I'll, I'll uh, shout out Todd, Todd Nesloni. Uh, Todd is it's my right-hand buddy. Uh, we wrote one of our, we wrote a book together. Uh, we present together. He's just such a reliable friend and um, we were both principals at the same time. So we were pushing each other that way. It was like this friendly competition where we feed each other ideas and push each other with that. So uh, Todd is just, I mean, he's the nicest human being I've ever yes. met. And so uh, I'm lucky to call him friend and 
colleague and everything else under the sun. So, and listeners, please get connected with Todd as well. He is amazing. He is like your weekly dose of encouragement, and he's super sincere about everything as well. Like, yes, he is actually why I met my mentor that encouraged me to get into podcasting so I would not be where I am without Todd either so small world definitely there and I love that shout out so awesome thank you for sharing that and I agree wholeheartedly he's amazing so um and finally Adam we may have some listeners who want to reach out more, hear more about what you do, and would love to get connected with you. So what is the best way for our listeners to get connected with you? Sure. So everything is very simple. It's just my name. So Twitter is at Adam DeVico, Instagram at Adam DeVico, my website, adamdevico.com. <laughs> <laughs> I try to keep it consistent and, and straightforward. And um, yeah, I always tell people just hit, shoot me up with a DM and I mean I always respond and um, love to I love connecting with people and just helping where I can. I think that's awesome and thank you so much and listeners definitely get connected with Adam and just like he says he will respond, um, which is always really cool. It's nice to like not have your DM like floating there forever. So thank you for <laughs> thank you for that. But it's definitely awesome to get connected with you as well. Yes. And thank you so much, Adam, for taking time this morning to come on and interview and just talk about what you do and why you why you became an educator I love your story I love all the experiences you have and like even the quirkiness of I almost did this but then that didn't happen and look where we are um because little things can just completely change the life path so thank you so much for sharing with us this morning thank you for having me it's a blast I appreciate it You have been listening to Our Heart for Teaching, where we explore our purpose and our why in the field of education. If you would like more information or to share your own purpose in education, be sure to connect with me on Twitter at A Heart for Teaching. I look forward to hearing from you soon, and please tune in to the next episode of Our Heart for Teaching.